he's sweet but a psycho. A little bit psycho. At night he's screaming, I'm my, 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 out my mind. Oh, he's hot but a psycho. So left but he's right though. At night he's screaming, is Lost a good TV show or not? Hi, welcome to All the Best Podcasts Have Daddy Issues, a podcast about whether or not Lost is a good TV show. I'm your host, Nolan Pavlich. And I'm Emma May. And uh, that opening quote was dedicated to our very own Jack Shepard for this week's episode, Season 3, Episode 1, A Tale of Two Cities. Uh, Jack goes off the damn deep end. Um, or I guess already has. Yeah. Um, Emma, how are we feeling about this season opener? I thought it was... So... Okay, I thought it was good. And I, I like the action. I have a lot of issues with it, though. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jack, like... I... Like, where did I've never this been come more... from? Like... I've never been more glad that you have to do the flashbacks. <laughs> Seriously. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, maybe this is what they wanted to keep. But to me, I see this as maybe Jack being poorly written. Or maybe yes. just the these extremely toxic writers trying to make him like a little bit edgy and not realizing that their perception of that is warped. But yes. like, like... The version of Jack we see in this episode should be in prison. Um, he should have stayed for a in little jail. Bit. Yeah, yeah, he should have stayed. He should have stayed there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, so we're talking about the season three opener, and I did want to give. I mean, I think it's important to talk about just you know going into ta- into context into this season. Um, Lost is on top of the damn world at this point. Like, their ratings have been insanely good. There's obviously been ups and downs. Um, but this is basically a TV show that has, like, as much creative control as they want. Like, they can kind of do whatever, and they're pulling in ratings. Um, so I'm excited to see where this season goes. But the fact that it starts with Jack, um, you know, going uh, going beast mode on his ex-wife uh, is rough. This one was directed by Jack Bender. It was written by Damon Lindelof and J.J. Abrams. Um, nice. The, the last time that J.J. will contribute anything to this show. I mean, I'm sure that maybe he was in meetings or maybe put some stuff, but I don't think he really gets like any more crediting other than his credit as a producer on the show um, for the rest of the run. He certainly is not involved as much as like writing an episode. Um, and it aired on October 4th, 2006. I cannot believe, I'm shocked that J.J. Abrams is on the the writing credit for this. Like, yeah, with how poorly Jack was written. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think of what... I I think that the focus of this episode is supposed to be, like, you trying to, like, uncover the mystery of where the three of them are. Okay. Like, I, that would be my guess on what J.J. Abrams is bringing to it. It also says, story by Damon Lindelof and teleplay by J.J. Uh, Abrams, which I me- I believe would mean that uh, Damon Lindelof kind of put out the plot beats first. Okay. But yeah, I you would hope it would be a little bit more 
I don't know. It just seems so out of character. Like, Jack, up until this point, has been obsessive. But he hasn't seen, like... Murderous, or, like... Yeah, not... Yeah, I mean, this guy... Yeah, restraining order level. Yeah. Okay, Um, I'm sorry to interrupt. That just shocks me a little bit. We're, I mean, we're going to have plenty of these interjections. Basically, every time you start talking, yeah. we'll have to talk about Jack's um, behavior. Issues. Mm-hmm. But we start not on Jack. We start on a new addition to the cast for season three. Uh, we start on her eye first. We get the classic eye opening shot. And um, it is Juliet Burke, uh, who we actually don't really get her name yet, but we'll get it later in the episode, so that's fine. Uh, she is played by Elizabeth Mitchell, who up until this point has been in uh, Gia. Have you seen that movie? Mm-mm. Uh, with Angelina Jolie. And uh, she's also been in ER for, I think, two seasons. Oh, okay. Or maybe just one season, actually. Um, and then she'll go on to... and Oh, and at this point she's also been in the Santa Claus movies uh, with Tim Allen. She oh, okay. plays... Mrs. Claus in those. Um, what have you? Do you like those movies? They're pretty good, right? The first I watch one them least? every year at Christmas. Do you? No, I don't. Okay. I, right. I, yeah. Um, I haven't seen That's them weird, for a long time. Such a big Tim Allen fan. Huge fan. Yeah, I because when I sometimes you know we'll be hanging out and your your phone will go off. Because you get a text, and of course your text ringtone is the, oh, yeah, <laughs> and um, so obviously you're a big fan. Mm-hmm. No, uh, those mo- I, I haven't seen those in forever. I will say something that I always thought was funny about those was that in my head, so there's that movie right where you know, I mean it's basically even just the exact same scene almost, but there's that movie where Tim Allen like. You know, he kills Sandy Claus, and then uh, he slowly starts turning into him. And, like, he shaves his beard, and then he looks in the mirror, and his beard is back. And then Evan Almighty has, mm-hmm. like, that same scene, basically, right away. And, like, I don't know if it was supposed to be, like, an homage, or just, they were like, yeah, we'll just copy it, whatever. But, in my head, I thought that this was, like, a genre of movies. Where it was, like, people turning into stuff. Uh, like legendary figures, um, two legendary figures, of course, being Santa Claus and Noah. Um, mm-hmm. And then and it's also the mask. Jim Carrey just nails this sure. trope. Sure, in movies yeah. and film. Well, do you know the best? The best version of this is in Thirty Rock, with the Leap Day Williams episode, which is where there's like a fake movie about Leap Day William. And Jim Carrey is in the fake movie in that, and it like plays throughout the episode. Yes, and he does. The, it's perfect. It's so good. So good. They they got it perfectly. Anyways, none of this has anything to do with uh, Elizabeth Mitchell, other than she is too good for any of the things we just talked about. Yes. Um, except maybe Thirty Rock, I suppose. Uh. uh anyways, she. So this season opener, I love. I just want to say that right now. This. It's not as iconic as Desmond in the Hatch, uh, for sure. Like there, the Desmond in the Hatch one is great because you're expecting a you know a an out of left field 
thing, and it's not only out of left field, but it connects to the one of the big mysteries of the last season. Mm-hmm. This doesn't really have that kind of like narrative follow through, but I really love. I don't know. It just it does. It's a great introduction to her character. Um, she puts on "Downtown" by Petula Clark, a great song um, that we heard in the first, the se- uh, second season opener, right? No, in the second season opener, it was uh, "Make Your Own Kind of Music" oh, by yep. Cass Elliot. Um, but I mean, I, they're a similar vibe mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and I will say this. In season four, there is another Cass Elliot uh, needle drop, and that is also one of my favorite moments of the show, and I can't wait to get to that. That's just a little preview, I guess. Um, but uh, we see her. She looks in the mirror. She's kind of overwhelmed, but she steals herself for the coming day. Um, she sets up her living room for a book club. She burns some muffins. Uh, we, for all intents and purposes, this is a flashback uh, that we see or maybe we're uh, maybe we're a character we know is supposed to be coming into it we don't know what's going on because it is all in like a a normal uh house um that is you know on when when she goes outside is very obviously in hawaii mm-hmm. um but uh somebody comes up opens the door and uh juliet talks about how somebody's doing plumbing outside her house and we see a guy's legs down there talking about how it's just going to be a little bit longer. Uh, we have the book club. Um, they're doing Carrie by Stephen King. Have you read that book? I have not. Mm. Have, have you, you seen the You're, movies? Yes, I've seen the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've read quite a bit of Stephen King, haven't you? Yeah, I like Stephen King. Uh, he's, I mean, he's not trash, but he's uh, there's just something very specific about him that I feel like nobody else gets mm-hmm. and that doesn't I'm not saying that that means he's a genius he just has his own thing and it's good but yeah Carrie is a good book um if I remember right the it's on the better side of Stephen King's like awful endings um so that's something at least mm-hmm. um I have not seen the movies though which I've heard are good Sissy Spacek play as Carrie in the 70s one. That's the only one that I really remember, but I remember that one being good. I did watch it when I was a kid, though, so I haven't revisited it, but I remember it being good. Yeah, Yeah, sure. I will say, um, when I was in high school, I was crowned prom queen and I did get a lot of pig's blood. You did? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I did. Well, it's alright. I... burned everyone alive so it, it worked out fine um <laughs> i think i think that's what happens in carrie anyways one absolute drip of a guy who we'll never see again starts talking about how carrie isn't literature shouldn't be in the book club um Ooh. says he can see why ben didn't attend this guy uh sucks big time of course mm-hmm. we will never see him again um <laughs> the uh i i don't know why you would want to be in a book club that only like discusses like literature that sounds awful you need to read ulysses but then you also need to read the version of twilight where stephanie meyer switched the genders Mm -hmm. um and i think that both are equally important (laughs) uh uh juliet goes off about how it is her favorite book and um it makes her happy that this little snot 
uh, doesn't enjoy it. And then all of a sudden, they're interrupted by a big rumbling. Seems like an earthquake. Uh, everybody goes for cover and then goes outside once it stops. Uh, and we get a shot of a lot of people outside. It's not quite like a neighborhood that they're in. Uh, it's just kind of like a bunch of houses together. And we see Henry um, from last season, who we now will know as Ben for this, uh, uh, as his like actual name, which is fun. Uh Everybody looks up and we see the oceanic plane crashing. So this is a flashback. Uh, now we're finding out. Um, they ben used sends... Kate's toy plane for the effects. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> we had to get it in. We had to get some more mileage out of that. I forgot about Kate's toy plane. We didn't bring it up at all in our season two recap. That's that true. That should have been at the top of our highlights. <laughs> that it didn't show up again. Um, uh, but yeah. <laughs> so... Ben sends Goodwin to the tail and Ethan to the beach, as we had already seen happen. Uh, tells him he wants lists in three days, and then gives a very nice, uh, uh, I don't know, passive-aggressive, oh, so I guess I'm out of the book club, to Juliet, uh, who walks away. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the camera pans out, and we see that their little village here is just in the middle of the giant island. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's the season opener. It is a good one, I think. It's like, I don't know, the, um, it's obvious that they finally decided what they want the others to be, because I don't mm-hmm. think that they had really decided that last season. Yeah, it it has, um, everything that you want in a last opener, a little mystery, great yeah. needle drop, yeah, I liked it. Explosion. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong. Uh, we get our first flashback uh, for Jack, and mm-hmm. we open up on Dr. Jack. He's in street clothes. He has a five o'clock shadow. He's drinking takeout coffee with the lid off, and he has sunglasses on. So right away, we know that he's feeling disheveled and down bad. That yeah. has been and also- established. We should say this is the least menacing he is in any of the flashbacks, too. Which is crazy uh, because he's watching kids wild. play at a playground. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's essentially what? he. This this scene could have also ended with him like going in and blowing up the school too, Ugh. and like it would have like this this opening would have made exactly as much narrative sense. Mm-hmm. He is extremely ominous, and he gets only worse throughout this episode. Yeah. Yep. Um, he is spying on Sarah, uh, who he is just watching her interact with the art teacher. Um, mm-hmm. But I have in my notes, uh, I hope that this is rock bottom for Jack, but it's not. He no. goes down to the Earth's mantle this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, it's oof, mm-hmm. not good. But, yep, so we have just a quick flashback of Jack yeah. establishing that he's gone psycho mode mm-hmm. um i will say there's a moonlight serenade playing on the uh his radio i don't know if you caught that the uh, mm-hmm. glenn miller band and then um uh also the guy that uh juliet is or not juliet i'm so sorry julie bowen is what i meant that sarah is uh not even flirting with just talking to <laughs> just um he kind of looks like Paul Rudd, which is interesting. He I don't know who it is. A little bit. 
but he did look a little bit like Paul Rudd, which, mm-hmm. uh, um, if we could only all be so lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, back on the island, Jack wakes up, or is it on the island, or is it under the island, as we'll maybe find out later. Jack wakes up in a concrete cell. Uh, he's disoriented. He's on, like, a metal table. Uh, there's a bunch of chains hanging down above him. Uh, there's an intercom that doesn't work. Uh, he starts to... I, I will say I think he did a pretty good job of acting like he didn't know that glass wall was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this seems like that would be really hard to do because you would kind of necessarily just have to break your nose on it. Yeah. If you actually ran into it. But uh, he runs into a glass wall um, and starts shouting for Kate. Uh, he's in... I mean, he's essentially in a Saw movie. Saw had not yeah. come out yet, I don't think, right? No, but um, this inspired it for sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now he's going to have to like perform surgery on himself to get the bomb out of his kidney <laughs> or something. Um, so he's shouting for Kate, and then we cut over to Kate, um, who is uh, in a locker room. There's a shower running, and Tom is there, Mr. Friendly. He's uh, taken off the beard, and uh, I mean, he—I gotta say—he is—he's pre- pretty fun this episode. Obviously, this uh, element is not great, but the—I um, like that they're using him more because yeah. he's his voice is—he's just kind of charismatic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he uh, Tom tells her to—he uh, won't answer any of her questions and tells her to take a shower. She says, "I'm not going to shower in front of you," but he says, "Oh, don't worry, Kate, you're not my type." Uh, which is how we finally get our gay villain for the show. Um, something we desperately needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just, and just so we're all aware, uh, only canonically gay character in the rest of the show. Um, oh, is that true? Yeah, um. pretty sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, 2006 on ABC, that's yeah. what you're going to get. I hope um, they don't do anything weird with that storyline. Alright, we'll and we're going to just keep on going because yeah they there's if i remember right there's some like stuff in season four where you're just like come on guys oh okay uh well we'll see okay um uh we see sawyer wake up in a cage outside in the jungle um he sees a person in the cage near him but there's it's like a young maybe teenager early 20s type kid uh the kid doesn't answer um he sees a button with a fork and knife on it, but when he presses it, it says warning. He keeps pressing it, and it shocks him and blows him back into the cage. Um, Sawyer's stuff, I gotta say, is pretty fun this episode. Yeah. He's he's nice and light, and maybe that's what the episode needed a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Um, back in Jack's little uh, operating room, viewing room cell, he starts yanking the chains above his bed, but... Or above the table. Uh, but uh, Juliet enters and introduces herself. Then we get our third flashback um, of the episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Jack gets to the law office to check in. Um, I'm assuming it's some kind of divorce proceedings. Mm-hmm. And Sarah is on a bench behind him. She asks him where his lawyer is, and Jack responds, "You look pretty." Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean this is this is awful. This is oh, so hard to watch. It's so painful. Yeah. Um, she asks him again. 
Uh, it turns out that Jack fired him, and mm-hmm. he begins apologizing. Presumably because his lawyer said, hey, chill out, bro. Yeah, like, you can't follow your soon-to-be ex-wife around if you want to win anything here like (laughs) yeah um, you want to continue to be a doctor yeah exactly um he begins apologizing like right in the receptionist area and uh thankfully sarah gets a phone call that interrupts all of that Mm -hmm. and she takes it um she goes back to Jack, uh, after Jack is staring daggers at her for taking this phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she tries to reason with him when Jack cuts her off and asks, what's your name? What's his name? Yeah. And Sarah <laughs> rightfully doesn't engage with that and asks him to stop. Yeah. But Jack says that he is not going to stop until she tells him. And he tells her that she can have everything in exchange for the name of the man that is now supposedly with his wife. Um, Jack is unhinged, and I'm getting murder vibes. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I will say this is so unrelatable. Like, it would be one thing if um, Sarah had done something to him on the way out the door. Like, if she had, like, ruined his career or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, then you would maybe understand, like, him... No, I don't know. Just the idea of, like, I have to know his name is such an unrelatable thing that I... Like, I'm sure that no matter what in any divorce, you're going to end up feeling hurt about something. Um, But that... I don't know. It just... I don't see... It it doesn't give him any sympathy whatsoever. None. Like, all he has to do is just walk away. Like, if he doesn't care about the house and the cars, like, great. You don't ever have to talk to her again, then. That's how Mm -hmm. divorces work. Right. And I've got to say, if I'm that receptionist, I'm calling the police. Sure. I I don't know. (laughs) The fact that all of this is happening just, you know, in that environment is wild. It's so out of character for Jack. Um, yeah. But Sarah doesn't respond and walks away. Meanwhile, Jack, Jack, in the present, Jack is also yelling, this time at a different blonde. Um, he's yelling at Juliet, and even though she is trying to talk to him and have him, like, sit down, which admittedly, I mean, it's not like he's unreasonable for being mad. He They are keeping him in a cage currently mm-hmm. uh, here. So maybe this one is more relatable for why he's angry. Um, but uh, yeah, he she tries to get him to stop yanking on the chains and he won't. Um, meanwhile, we cut to Kate who is showering. Now, uh, here's some stuff we got to say about this. Uh, the first thing is this is the scene we had talked about previously um where evangeline lily had kind of talked about it in interviews how she wasn't comfortable with doing this Mm. uh she didn't name this scene specifically but this feels like it kind of has to be it unless i'm really misremembering something later on in this season but i'm just going to read this from an interview she gave on um i think a different podcast i believe it was the lost boys podcast uh, it was, She says, in season three, I'd had a bad experience on set with being basically cornered into doing a scene partially naked, and I felt I had no choice in the matter. 
I was mortified and I was trembling and when it finished I was crying my eyes out and I had to go go on do a very formidable very strong scene immediately thereafter the actress recalled and so in season four another scene came up where Kate was undressing and I fought very hard to have that scene be under my control and I failed to control it again and so I then said, that's it, no more. You can write whatever you want, but I won't do it. I will never take my clothes off on the show again. And I didn't. Um, that just breaks my heart to hear that. Yeah, it sucks. And there's a thing in that article, I, sh- I maybe I should grab it here. It's insane. Not insane, I guess, but um, the the apology that she got after Lily's interview went viral... Lost co-creators and executive producers J.J. Abrams and Damon Lindelof and executive producers Jack Bender and Carlton Cuse apologized to the star. Uh, In a joint statement, the four men told E! News, Our response to Evie's comments this morning in the media was to immediately reach out to her to profoundly apologize for the experience she detailed while working on Lost. We have not yet connected with her, but remain deeply and sincerely sorry. No person should ever feel unsafe at work, period. Um, okay. Which, I mean, I yeah, that's true. But I will say, uh, the fact that they say Evie in the... Um, or Evie, I guess, depending on how they pronounce it, in this statement instead of Evangeline is extremely... It's, it, it tries, it's trying to be like, come on, we're friends. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like to me anyways. I don't know. It feels very skeezy. The fact that the four of them made a joint statement is wild, too. To E! News. Um, yeah, to E! News. Like, come on. I, yeah. um... Yeah, that's really... Just, I got chills hearing that. And then knowing that she fought for con- more control in season four, too, after that experience and didn't get yeah. it. Like, you don't... There has to be more to an apology. Yeah. Um, one, but then also just kind of knowing how the writers are portraying Jack and right his relationship with his soon-to-be ex-wife. Like, oh, you needed a woman's perspective on the show, and like more women well, on the show. I feel like so much more. Just knowing yeah. that, like, you needed not only that perspective, but that community of women to help Evangeline Lilly stand up for herself. Yeah. I mean, the thing that sucks is I think that they do, they had it too. It's just that, I mean, we kind of heard it from uh, the big article that came out recently, like Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse didn't want to hear anybody's opinion on anything. They just wanted to have the final word and that's it. Mm -hmm. So like Elizabeth Sarnoff and um, Christina M. Kim, our writers throughout the entire show, I'm pretty sure. And if, I mean, yeah, it definitely feels like they weren't consulted even a little bit about this kind of episode. <laughs> like, yeah, extremely, I mean, it's, it, it just sucks. It's, these kind of shows are fun when they are, you, you know, when they have a little bit of like fan service or whatever. Like, that's, you know, there's, I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with that if you want to have, uh, have Sawyer running around shirtless or whatever or, you know, a son in a bikini on the beach or whatever like I, that's totally fine but uh when the actors are feeling uncomfortable about it it makes it harder to watch yeah definitely um so that's my first problem with this scene right and then secondarily and 
it feels weird to maybe even have this kind of problem just because the whole scene feels so skeezy right now. But uh, there's... I don't believe that Kate would have done this in one million years. If Tom left her alone, there's no way she would have just been like, all right, well, time to strip down and take a shower. Right. Like, she would have... um, One, she would have probably showered with her clothes on before she took her clothes off in this strange locker room. And two, she would have been finding a a damn vent to crawl into to get out of there. Like, I just... I don't buy that Kate would have done this whatsoever. Right. So, like, not only is it misogynistic, it's, like, kind of bad writing or bad mm-hmm. characterization, I guess. I don't know. I, it just, yeah, I don't buy it at all. Um, but after she, um, well, and the reason that I think they wanted to do it is another problem, a huge problem I have with uh, this episode and this season, which is coming up here, which is that she uh, she gets out of the shower, has a towel wrapped around her, but she goes for her clothes and they're no longer there. Uh, so she, she sees another locker with a little piece of tape on it saying, wear this, and there's a sundress in there. Um, or I guess that's what it is, right? Like a floral print sundress, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, she's taken out of the compound, uh, through the jungle. It's got, this whole thing has like a very Jurassic Park vibe to it, doesn't it? Yes. Like, those kind of, like, canopy-type things that take... Like, it feels like this used to be a zoo. Um, except that, of course, you know, it is on the, you know, Magic Island or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kate is taken out through the jungle uh, to a beachside little gazebo with a breakfast table with uh, Ben, who makes her handcuff herself... Uh, she asks about Sawyer and Jack, and Ben remarks on her asking about Sawyer first. Uh, she demands her clothes back, but Ben says that they burned them. And she asks why he brought her out and made her wear this dress. And he says he wanted to give her a pleasant memory, as her next two weeks would be very unpleasant. Um, extremely ominous. Like, I think the vibe that they're going for here is reached. Like, he feels like a creepy villain. So, like... I don't think that that is necessarily wrong, but just the whole circumstances that brought us here felt extremely skeezy. Yeah. Not on the part of the characters, but on the part of the the show, which is not what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she looks so uncomfortable in that dress, too. I hope that was just really good acting in that. I don't think so. I, two. I don't know. No, I don't. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, all that, that she's sucks. given. She has no shoes or anything. Like, mm-hmm. this is so... Uh, I don't know. Yuck. Yeah. Um, then we get to another yucky scene. Mm-hmm. Um, we get our fourth flashback, and Jack is in his office in Scrubs. He's got a list of numbers that he's calling through with a bogus story about meeting a woman on a train named Sarah, and she lost her phone, blah, blah, blah. And it's... Yeah. And we've all done this. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've all, all done been this there. To, you know, we've all made up stories to try and find someone that, you know, doesn't love us anymore. We've all done that before. Oh, my God. But then also, these are people who would have to know Jack, too, right? Like, aren't they just Yeah, you would think at some point that he, he'd dial one and be like, oh, Jack? Yeah. <laughs> um, so not a great plan, but... Um, yeah. Christian walks in and interrupts him. Um, 
Christian hangs up the phone and tells him that he's got to let it go and that it's over. And Jack mm-hmm. goes off on a rant and looks extra murdery. Um, he says yep. that he, you know, wants to know the guy's name, where he lives, when they first kissed, and just an absolute glutton for pain. Um, yeah. Christian gets a phone call in the middle of this, and Jack notices that it's it's from Sarah. Well, it's not that or... it's, it's that Jack was dialing a number, and as he's dialing the number, Christian's phone rings. Oh, okay. But here's my problem with that: Does Jack not recognize his daddy's phone number? Yeah, you should have. His you can't tell phone me Jack number. doesn't have that memorized. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so I was a little confused about that, I guess, but he. Demands to know, like, why is Sarah calling you? And mm-hmm. Christian tells him that she's afraid. Um, he adds on for you, but I think it's totally reasonable and okay to just leave it at she's afraid. Like, this is very she, scary yes. behavior. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, she's God. afraid for you. This makes Jack go a little crazy and he goes over the edge. Um, Christian tries to calm him down by telling him that. He knows what it's like to be a little obsessive, too. And Jack hits him back with being a drunk is not obsessive. And he obviously crosses the line with his dad and Christian leaves, but um, tells him to let it go as he's walking out the door. It is a little hard to feel too bad for Christian when you think of him letting that girl die on the operating table because he was too proud to to not go in. Um, That's but true. But it is... It is remarkable that this episode makes Christian look like the reasonable one. Yeah. Based on everything else we've seen of him. Mm-hmm. Although it does add an, a little bit of a layer to him giving uh, Anna Lucia the name Sarah for their little adventure in Australia. Yeah. Like, it, it adds another thing of, like, what was going on there? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't think that he was... Obviously, I don't think he was sleeping with Sarah, so I don't... Who knows? Maybe he just wanted to? I don't know. Yeah. Weird stuff. Not a great mm-hmm. look. But. Yeah. This whole family seems pretty rough at this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, back in his cell, uh, Jack is using the intercom. He hears some static coming out of it. And we hear the same audio uh, that we just heard from his father's voice telling him to let it go. Um, very faintly. Uh, Juliet comes in, offers him a sandwich, but he refuses. Uh, this is an extremely clunky line here that she does a decent job, but she's like, well, you must be real hungry then because that intercom hasn't worked in 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like it, I mean, I don't know. I guess there's really no way to do that. Right. Like, I I mean, maybe you could just be like, ah, that old thing doesn't work. Like something like that. But doing the hasn't worked in years is, um, pretty on the nose. Uh, (laughs) Uh, but she asks about his job. Uh, Jack says that he's a repo man, and which is, as we've talked about previously, was the original uh, backstory they were going to give Hurley before they went with the lottery winner. Mm-hmm. Um, Juliet asks about the plane. He kind of opens up to her, talks about the trip to Sydney to get his dad's body. Um, she, I mean, you know that she's on the other side of the glass, so she's not like the good guy here. Like, they've obviously kidnapped these people. That said, right. she is extremely likable in this episode, I think. the uh, All of her stuff with Jack, like, 
just her being like this very calming presence on him is extremely fun to watch. Yeah, I think uh, she plays it really well. Yeah. Uh, Sawyer is... Wait a second. Uh, Do we... Oh. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Do you have any notes about the sandwich that you wanted sandwich. to talk about? The the grilled cheese? I'm obsessed with the sandwich. Oh, no, I don't. Please, okay. go ahead. I mean, toothpicks and grilled cheese is wild. But... That's weird. Um, yeah. But in the close-up of it, it has uh-huh. rosemary as a garnish. Oh, that's right. Just yeah, a yeah, yeah. Of rosemary on the side. Yeah. Insane. Um, yeah. But then in the other shots, there's a pickle on the side. So, like, some continuity error happened yeah, there. Happened but where um, they were like, oh, dang. In between takes, Elizabeth Mitchell ate this pickle. So I guess we got to put some rosemary yeah. and hope nobody notices that we're <laughs> Find something that. green. Find something green. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, my God. That That's just funny. made me laugh. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. That's funny. No, 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 please. I, that's the most important part of this episode, I think. <laughs> Grilled cheese. You fan? No, I'm lactose intolerant, so I can't eat oh them anymore. God. I know. It sucks. That's depressing. There's nothing better on a rainy day than a, a nice grilled cheese and tomato soup. Okay, uh, so you do eat it with tomato soup. I mean, you gotta. Yeah. Um, I miss the days. Like six-year-old. <laughs> and then you can just get it with a little cut-up hot dog or something. Um, yeah, well... Um, Next time I eat one, I'll eat two. One for you. How's Thank that? you. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, back outside, uh, the kid, who we will later find out is named Carl, uh, asked Sawyer how long it would take to get to their camp and what the people were like. And then while Sawyer is talking about it, he escapes uh, and lets Sawyer out of his cage as well uh, and says that they need to go in different directions. So Sawyer goes one way. Runs through the jungle and eventually runs into Juliet, who shoots him with the little taser dart thing. Uh, he's thrown back in his cell and Tom brings Carl to the cage and makes him apologize for involving him in his escape attempt. And then we don't see Carl anymore. Mm. Um, he's no longer in the other cage. Uh, Juliet brings Jack some food again, trying to get him to eat some food and water because he's severely dehydrated. Uh, he puts his back to the wall uh, so that she can come in and give him food uh, after she kind of calms him down for a little bit. Uh, in the next flashback, Jack is treating a patient and gives the order that he can self-administer pain meds. Mm-hmm. The nurse questions That's how him you know on this. this. Was 2006. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was back when that was a thing. Oof. Uh, <laughs> The nurse questions him on this, but Jack gets completely distracted by mm-hmm. seeing his dad take a phone call and smiling and laughing. So he is essentially, like, to another degree, just neglecting patients, but in a different way. Like, definitely not in the same... Yeah. He's like, giving somebody else an, an opioid addiction because yeah. he didn't want to tell this nurse. Yeah, maybe not, actually. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um... The next scene, Christian is dropping off his car at a hotel where Jack has followed him. Um, Jack, he follows him into a room, which this is a very swanky AA meeting, I've got to say, to like be in a hotel conference room. So Jack interrupts this AA meeting and 
demands to see Christian's phone and starts to cause a scene. And the AA moderator calls him by his name and asks him to take a seat. And she makes the mistake of mentioning that Christian talks about Jack all the time. And yeah. Jack is Well, she's so- clearly trying to be like, oh, your daddy's proud of you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he can't ever hear that, so... He's so painfully insecure that Mm -hmm. he just, like, immediately goes into all of his daddy issues. He starts listing off every single one of them, including his life problems. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, we've never really seen somebody with daddy issues that is this self-aware of their potential shortcomings. But he's, like, Mm -hmm. weaponizing it. It's so weird. Oh, yeah. Um... Jack is leaning in. Yeah, real hard. Um, <laughs> Jack goes on to pull a lock and completely lose his mind at the group yeah. therapy session. <laughs> and he says that, you know, his life and job and marriage, everything's falling apart. He tells the group that the only way Christian manages his own marriage is through a bottle of scotch every night. And the mediator jumps in and says that Christian has been sober for 50 days. And mm-hmm. Jack demands to know what made him turn a corner. He asks if maybe it's a new lady friend and accuses him of sleeping with Sarah. Yeah. So, wow. Um, not great stuff. Uh, Christian yells uh, after Jack as he's leaving that he's his father and ask, asks him to please let it go. And Jack responds by tackling him in front of yes. all of the AA group. So yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Oof. Um. Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, so this is obviously because Christian is still a doctor. Um, this is obviously pre Jack turning him in. Mm-hmm. And it seems like at that point that they're pretty cool when Christian is like assuming that Jack is not going to turn him in. Yeah. Um. So. I guess they get this relationship, their relationship back to normal at some point, but I don't see how that could ever be possible. This yeah. is so wild. I mean, this is soap opera right here. Uh, we thought it was Locke, and now it's Jack. Yeah, He's the tables the have turned. Mm-hmm. Um, if Locke doesn't have an evil twin in his next flashback, he's he's losing <laughs> yeah. his belt. Um, um, this might be yeah. a good place to mention it, but I think that, like... There's supposed to be this hint or maybe this, like, slight implication that Jack is drinking, too. Um, Yeah. And I wish that they would have leaned into that a tiny bit more because I feel like... It would have made a lot more sense. It would have made so much more sense. And I feel like it really had the potential to kind of illustrate that generational trauma and generational addiction. But, you know, that's not last... Strong suit mm-hmm. depicting addiction in no. a way that is reasonable, but um, I yeah, I feel like that's probably a good place to mention that they they could have added that element pretty easily and probably yeah. would have made a lot more sense for the episode. Yeah, absolutely. It back on the island when Juliet opens the door to bring him in uh, his food. Jack uh, tackles her much like he did his own father years ago. Uh, he grabs a shard of the plate, which has shattered, and brings it to her neck uh, and uh, takes her out to the first door that he can find, uh, 
um, and tells her to open it. She says if she opens it, they'll die. And then who appears but Ben saying that she's telling the truth. Um, Jack threatens to kill Juliet, but Ben seems says, like, okay, sure, well, if you ever open the door, she's going to die anyways. Um, which Juliet clearly, like, didn't expect him to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was... She clearly feels betrayed by uh, by Ben um, just kind of giving up on her. Uh, Jack pushes Juliet aside, opens the door himself, and water begins rushing in. Um, Jack and Juliet are able to get to a side room and shut the door, which is absolutely insane. Under no, There's no way they'd be able to That's shut impossible. the door yeah. with that much water coming in. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm glad that they did because I do want to figure out you know, uh, the name of the guy that mm-hmm. Sarah is <laughs> sleeping with. And I, I don't think we'll get that if, uh, Jack dies here. No, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, just, I, there should have been something else. Like I, I just, I, I cannot believe that they shut that door together. But anyways, uh, Jack pushes an emergency button, which does, they talked about it earlier in the episode too. I, what does it do? Does it drain the, that's I mean, I guess that's I was what it trying does. To, like, it doesn't make any sense for that to be a mechanism, yeah. does it? I don't but, know anything about aquariums, so I, I shouldn't say yeah. anything. Yeah, I don't know. Um, now but, I'm curious about, like, aquarium logistics. Like, how do they mm-hmm. treat all of those animals in aquariums? Well, usually aquariums aren't all, like, underwater, right? Yeah, that's like, true. This is This one does has to be like that, but... Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Gonna I mean, I up. think the answer for any of them that are in SeaWorld is they don't. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> they just let those those uh, animals die. Um, you ever been to SeaWorld? I have not, but I know somebody who used to be one of the performers at SeaWorld. Oh, oh, I that's right. You it. have a friend that's a walrus. Great. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Free Willy. We go way back. Um, <laughs> um Yeah, those I I I haven't watched those documentaries because I, I went to SeaWorld when I was a kid yeah. and I remembered enjoying it and I'm like, here's what those documentaries gonna do. It's gonna make me very sad and it's going to ruin those memories I had with my family. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna steer clear. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Jack pushes a button, which, uh, you know, I guess brings the aquarium above ground. Who knows? And uh, as soon as he does, Juliet knocks him out with a, a, a sucker punch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty good. It's a good good looking punch, frankly. I like to see it this episode, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Someone needed to punch crazy. this guy in the mouth. Yeah. It's He's deserved it for years at this point. Mm-hmm. We, we've, we are finding out, so... Um, Sawyer solves the puzzle to get food in his cage. He has to use a rock uh, and then throw his shoe at a lever and then push the button and he gets his uh, little fish biscuit. I do love, it plays like a little ba 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 when he does it. And he does like a little dance and twirls his fingers in the air. He's very proud of himself. And it's a pretty good bit, especially when he just gets the fish biscuit and... Realizes that's what he was doing it all for, was polar bear food. Um, uh, he does get a little bit of water out of it, so that's something, I guess. Uh, Kate is brought to Carl's old cage. Um, Tom 
you know, gives Sawyer a little bit of shit saying that the, uh, the polar bears figured out the puzzle in two hours. Uh, and, and Sawyer gives a really good line, which is, well, how many were there? Mm-hmm, which is just so very good. funny. I, that, so, like I said, Sawyer is uh, pretty good. He's on his best behavior in this episode, which uh, somebody had to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate is clearly distraught, so Sawyer tries to cheer her up, makes a few jokes, tosses her the fish biscuit. Um, let me see. Yeah, so we're not getting another scene with them. Here is my theory for this. Um, and maybe if maybe this is off, I don't know. Um, I think that one of the writers, and I guess knowing what we know about the show, most likely Damon Lindelof or Carlton Cuse, uh, has a weird fetish about um, somebody being in a sundress and kept in a cage. Mm. Uh, because Kate, is, we're gonna, you know, she. This is all she has for clothes, and she's kept in this cage. Uh, it feels very skeezy here. Yeah. Um, I don't know this. Uh, I I don't like this element at all of no. the show. It doesn't feel sexy at all. It, it feels just. I mean, it, I don't know. And it's amazing that they took this like, like strong-willed, like very independent woman yeah. that they had written for two seasons, and in a matter mm-hmm. of an episode, like mm-hmm. erased a big part of that for her. Like you are exactly right that she would have tried to escape before yeah. even Yeah, she's had no agency this entire episode. She's yeah. just done what she's been told. Mm-hmm. Um which is yeah, completely unlike Kate. Uh, absolutely unlike Kate. Jack wakes up in his cell again and, and now he realizes that they're underground. Uh Juliet says that they're in an old Dharma station, the Hydra station. Um Jack says, oh, so that's what you guys are. You're the remnants of the Dharma initiative. And and uh, she says something effective like, oh, well, that was a long time ago. Just kind of dodging the question. Um, she reveals that they know who Jack is, that he's, you know, a surgeon out of St. Sebastian, all of the details of his life. Uh, she has information that it seems like they only could have gotten off the island. Mm-hmm. Like, they got a, the autopsy report for his father, who had died just before the plane crash. And it still has only been, like, two months or something like that. Um, and so Jack says, you know, do you have information about the other people in my life? And she says, what do you want to know? And Jack asks about his uh, ex-wife. Yep, the final flashback. Um, Jack is in jail when he... Ends up getting released because somebody posted his bail, and it turns out to be mm-hmm. Sarah, who is waiting mm-hmm. for him outside of the lockup. Yeah. And Sarah tells him that his dad uh, told her that he was here. Um, she called him a cab and runs out of the jail crying. Yeah, um, tries to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a man waiting for her outside by a car, and Jack immediately wants to know is that the guy um Mm -hmm. and she says that it doesn't matter but jack is insistent so she tells him that it doesn't matter who he is it matters what you're not and Mm -hmm. she also tells him that when christian called sarah to help he was so drunk she could hardly understand him so now he's completely lost that sobriety streak um and then adds kind of like a little jab that on the bright side now Jack has something to fix. 
yeah. and she walks away and gets into the car with the other man. Um, and at this point, I don't even think that, I don't know if she's romantically involved with this guy. I think that she just yeah, maybe she, felt unsafe and like yeah, wanted. Yeah, she might have just put out a Craigslist ad for like, <laughs> yeah. if you're six feet tall, I need some help for an hour and a half. <laughs> Seriously. I would want, you know, backup with me if my, yeah, you know, sure. husband that I was divorcing was being a complete psycho like that. Like, I'm surprised that she didn't have more people with her, like more six foot tall guys waiting <laughs> yeah. out there. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So Maybe final there was flashback. Maybe on the rooftops or something Yeah, like exactly. That. Some snipers out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Final flashback. Uh, disappointing material i still did Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i will say uh it doesn't it doesn't feel like this leads into jack on the island like it just doesn't there's a disconnect there where unless we really get something later on in this season that shows him changing i just don't the jack that we've been watching wouldn't do this yeah Um, right which, as insane as he has been up until this point, too, just to be clear, mm-hmm. uh, I still don't buy that he would have done this. So Same. Um, I also think that this one is weird. Uh, he's, like, weirdly calm in this. He still is, like, yelling, but he's not, like, going full, like, you know, angry breathing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which matches the tone of the episode, but not really the tone of... Like, what's going on? Like, it feels like he should still be pretty mad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but back on the island, Jack asks if Sarah is happy. And Juliet says, yes, she's very happy. Which, I mean, it just has all the feeling of somebody being told, ah, yes, your puppy is um, <laughs> yeah. running free on that farm upstate. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, how would they know whether or not she's happy? Right. They got her happiness certificate, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jack breaks down and finally agrees to go sit with his back against the wall so that Juliet can bring him some food. And as uh, as she leaves um, the room, Ben says, you know, good work. And Juliet says, thank you, Ben. Although she's clearly furious at him still. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the end of the episode. Um yeah, this, I mean, it's still, I think, a good episode. I think it's, in terms of the season openers that we've gotten so far, it's the worst so far. Yeah. Like, uh, the pilot is obviously incredible. Season two has a fantastic season opener. Our is really um, high, though, in its defense. Yes. And I think this one is really good. And there's also been stuff like, not Fire and Water, right? What was the one where uh, Charlie... Uh, goes out with the girl that they call a moose, even oh, though God. she weighs 120 pounds. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but I know exactly yeah. which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the one where he throws up on the printer or whatever. Yeah. Like, that kind of flashback to me is, like, unwatchable. Yeah. This one approaches it, but it is not... It, it still is not the worst flashback we've ever gone. It, it's, it just feels kind of out of character for Jack. Um, it would have been an interesting flashback for a character that was maybe supposed to be more of a villain, but I, I just don't get that from Jack. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was just about to say that I also still think it's a good episode, but just knowing all of the behind the scenes with Evangeline Lily, that's wow. What a bummer. Um, 
I hate that uh, that happened to her. Yeah, it's uh, it it really sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, next episode is oh, actually, well, this one we should say on IMDb came in at number forty nine, so a little better than halfway. I think that's probably about right. Sure. Yeah, maybe I maybe even rank it a little bit lower than that, but I still I enjoy this one a lot. Mm-hmm. I really, I mean. Uh, you might have been able to tell I'm a huge fan of Juliet, so I uh, I'm just happy as a clam anytime she's on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also just getting new characters is always really really mm-hmm. exciting, and um, it's so yeah, it's fun. And Ben is kind of a new character too. Like we had Henry before, but they clearly had not figured out what they wanted him to be, mm-hmm. and so Ben feels like a completely different guy now, and that uh, that'll be fun too to see unfold. We really didn't talk about him at all in our recap, just because I think they he there's not much progression with his story. Yeah. It's just kind of like a little bit of like, is he or isn't he lying for like six episodes and then he finally escapes? Mm-hmm. But he was a really good addition last season, so uh, I'm excited to see where they go with him this season. Yeah, me um, too. And with their little village and... I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I yeah, think a all lot of that of like, stuff is cool. Yeah, a lot of really good buildup just in this one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we got absolutely no, nothing from any of the other people on the other side of the, uh, the the island. We got no lock or uh, echo or any of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, well, maybe we'll see that next week. But uh, yeah, next week will be uh, the glass ballerina, which is a sun and gin episode. Um, which is always fun when they do that for episode two. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, until then, you can give us a rating on Apple iTunes or Spotify. No Stitcher because, of course, Stitcher is going away. Awesome. Um, Peace. Yeah, R.I.P. Stitcher, the app that I actually did use all the time for podcasts. Um, but that's fine. Whatever. Spotify's fine for the most part. I think. The Apple Podcast app is kind of bad. Is it? I haven't tried it. I've only ever used well, Spotify. It's better than Spotify because you can put RSS feeds. So, like, if you have, like, Patreon podcasts, you can't really do those on Spotify. Oh. But, at least for me, anytime I, like, pause the Apple Podcast app for more than, like, 10 seconds, it, like, fully forgets where I was and I have to go find that episode down again. Ugh. Um... But yeah, if you want to rate our podcast, and don't let the experience of the app color your experience no. of this episode, uh, you could give us a rating. Emma, how many stars would you say they should be giving us a rating for? Yeah, great question. I would say somewhere between five and five stars. Okay, so in between five and five stars. Yeah. So that would be, would you say one star for every hundred feet Jack must remain away from Sarah um, yes. at any given point? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Uh, you can tweet at us or whatever it is now at all the best pods. Uh, you can send us an email, all the best podcast at gmail.com. And until next week, get lost. Get lost.